Welcome back. It's been two weeks, a little hiatus last week, Return of the Empire podcast. I'm Jay Mars, joined as always by our 49ers beat writer, insider, guru of all things Kyle Shanahan's offense, D'Amico Ryan's defense, Emil Fergoso. <laughs> Thank you, Jay. You're always so complimentary of me on these shows. I got to, man. Someone's got to hype you up. I'm just saying. I, I appreciate it. Yeah, beat writer, guru, anything like that. Just having me talking 49ers with you. Yeah, no, I am too. Although I was anticipating it sucked because I was off last week. So, of course, we don't have a pod when the Christian McCaffrey, excuse me, news breaks. I was like, it's the one week. I was like, and I just, I saw the, the notification come in in Twitter. That was literally my first thought. Like, dude, of freaking course. Of course. So, of course, uh, Christian McCaffrey now a San Francisco 49ers uh, giving away I don't like to say a boatload of picks because they had a lot of picks coming up in the 2023 draft. Yeah. So they used a lot of that capital, though, to acquire Christian McCaffrey. Of course, we'll get into that later in the podcast. But Niners going into that game against the Chiefs looked like, you know, got healthy at the right time. Trent Williams is back. Nick Bosa's back. Jimmy Ward is back. We got this new toy on offense who we knew we weren't going to deploy necessarily a lot because mm-hmm. he just simply wasn't familiar with the playbook. Yeah. But, you know, there was a lot of excitement going to that game. I would say it was a really good game for about two and a half quarters. Yeah, about about <laughs> there, because there was some optimism at halftime, only down 14, 13 right. and a half, and then going into the fourth, they were only down by about one score. It just, everything kind of started to implode midway through the third quarter, and it just, it didn't feel right. There were mm-hmm. just weird penalties going on and just weird play calling, and frankly, the Niners, it felt like they kind of gave up going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, it was really interesting how, to your point, it it just went downhill quickly. You were at the game. What were you seeing that was just like so head-scratching that the Chiefs were just able to go out there and dominate in the fourth so badly? It was a third and long convergence for me on on, on the defense. The defense, D'Amico Ryan's defense, has been elite to start the year Mm -hmm. for the first four weeks since the injuries have occurred going back to to week five and and going through the, the Virginia trip and all that stuff. The team hasn't looked the same. It just looked completely lost. And last week against the Chiefs, third and long, third and twenty, you're gonna let a you're gonna let a, a screen pass to Jarek McKinnon yeah. beat you. I felt like that was like the real red flag for me when I was like, oh, this game is done. Yeah, no, you could you could just feel it. And then they obviously they hit the Ju- Juju Smith Schuster downfield, uh, fifty seven yards on like a third and what, twenty or something like mm-hmm. that. Mahomes, I mean, it just it didn't feel right from after that halftime and Shanahan's statistic of going of trailing going into the second half going into the fourth quarter continues on what was the uh, what's the stat 1 in is it 1 in 28 1 in 30 1 in 30 going into the fourth quarter right and you know the the interesting part about that stat is a lot of head coaches don't have a great record going into the fourth quarter down sure. but one win yeah, that's it from a guy that has such a high powered offense, you know, has the ability to get back into any game at any time. You would think with the weapons that the 49ers have mm-hmm. combined also with the fact that they have a really good defense yeah. that they would be able to get in and get back into fourth quarter games. Uh, when you talk about that defense, was it just did they just look gassed? Because I felt like they were gassed. They were definitely gassed. They were on the field for too long. They gave over 529 net yards through the day. That's the most they've given up. Um, and points, especially since mm-hmm. like the '60s, it's been <laughs> it's been ridiculous. They they broke history records for the Niners' defense. Yeah. That's the most points they've given up in a long, long, long time. And it just felt like once that fourth corner quarter came and the, the Mahomes started getting rolling, it started getting those conversions. Hands on the knees, players were just kind of mm-hmm. done with the day, and they kind of chalked up for a loss, unfortunately. And even in the press box, like we had unanimous groans in the press box. Oh, as that well, never like, happens. <laughs> yeah, it was bad, dude. It was really bad. And then on the offensive side of the ball, you know, especially that first half, first quarter, when they uh, 
decided to use McCaffrey. Like he looked really yeah, good. And I was like, oh man, are they are the way they the volume he had in that first quarter, I thought like, oh, we might actually see them yeah. really give him a lot big load today. But you know, second half came, that wasn't the case. You know, it was more Jeff Wilson Jr. at that point. Um offensively, I think the running game was an issue again mm-hmm. when it didn't have to be, but you know, this is and it's the familiar pattern we see, and I bring this up probably weekly. If the running game isn't killing it, mm-hmm. that offense is going to struggle. And you yeah. saw in the first half, the running game looked really good. The offense looked really good. Mm-hmm. I felt like once it got down to, again, another Jimmy Garoppolo game, and this is something I've always noticed about him, and I don't think it gets talked about enough, is dude stares down his number one target. Oh, man. Whenever, whenever, it doesn't matter what the play is, whoever is the primary receiver on those plays, he will stare them down and he will stare them down. And this is where the sacks happen. Yeah. And it's like, dude just cannot, he cannot move on to a secondary target in any play. There was a a curl route where he dumped it off to Kittle Mm -hmm. and Kittle had like two or three guys on him. I mean, he completes the play, but doesn't really get any yardage. And like Brandon Ayuk is wide Wide open. open. Yeah. And I'm just like, these are the plays that kill him as a quarterback. Yeah, I can't I can't think of the quarter that play happened, but I remember the play exactly. I'm like, B.A. is streaking down right. the field, just gone. And unfortunately, Jimmy in this offense is programmed to go first read. Yes, is, every is time. That's, the, that's what Kyle wants, is to go first read with Jimmy especially. So when it has to go off script and dictate that way, Jimmy doesn't – Sometimes compute that he needs to like figure it out and that stuff. I don't know what it is with this processing. It's really weird. Yeah, and I and I get going to your first read. Obviously, that's where the play is designed. But to your point, so do you think it's more of a Jimmy thing or a Kyle thing when it comes to that second read? Because I've always taken it as a Jimmy thing. It's a both. I think. I think Kyle wants to hit that first read. I think that's the goal with any offense. Hit that first read. It's just. You need to deviate, and sometimes you need to be Jimmy Garoppolo. You need to be a, an, an, an above-average quarterback, which mm-hmm. we think, in his, and at his peak, is an above-average quarterback. Right correct? when he, yeah, when he's clicking, he's an yeah, above-average above average quarterback. But the clicking also means the line is clicking, yeah. the run game is clicking, yes. your receivers are clicking. Yes. Everything has to go perfectly. Yes, and, th- and that's the unfortunate part with Jimmy Garoppolo is that everything else has to go perfectly for him to succeed. The offensive line has to hold up, the run game has to has to dominate, and the defense has to dominate. Did you think Trent Williams came back a week early? Yes. Because he looked he looked hobbled out there. Like he did not look like our the normal Trent Williams on the left side. I don't know if it was a week, week early, but because he because he was saying earlier in the week that he was ready to go. He knew he was playing, that the training staff wasn't gonna let him mm-hmm. not play. He was like, I'm ready to go. I got this. I think it's more about getting back into game shape. Right. He's a big offensive lineman. He's a big left tackle. He's older. He's thirty three years old. He just it's a little bit of rust and he got he got beat pretty clean. Yeah, it was bad. I, I mean, it, it it was not the all pro self, especially on that pick in the end zone. Mm-hmm. Um, Jimmy threw that ball because he got a free free blitz. Right, because he was getting blitz from both. Yeah, sides. I didn't I didn't blame Jimmy on that one. It was a, it was a poor decision because he was going for Kittle in the back in, in the back and he just couldn't even throw it that far. Right, but that wasn't his fault. He was getting zero cover blitz. On, on that, and Jimmy's seen that recently, and that's been a mm-hmm. real struggle for the 49ers the past couple weeks. Yeah, I mean, that offensive line is kind of makeshift already when you don't have Trent Williams running at 100% or in game shape, as you're saying. Yeah. It makes it really hard. The one nice thing about him was, though, being back is I felt like it freed up George Kittle a little bit to get yep. more into the passing game, and I think that is a connection Garoppolo really needs to work with. That I mean, I've always thought George Kittle's is safety valve, yep. and when you have him on the line blocking, it makes it really hard to utilize that. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, going into this uh, weekend's matchup with the Rams, that Trent's feeling better, Trent's a little more in game shape, yep. and that way they can really use uh, – 
George Kittle more in the passing offense. Yeah, I mean he, I mean he and he and Ayuk led the targets. They both mm-hmm. had twenty targets combined. He had nine of them for six, six receptions for ninety eight yards and a tutty. Yeah, he um, looked good. He, he, he looked good. He especially that that high point catch. Just throw it up to Kittle. He's there. Yeah, it, it makes sense. Kittle will will win most contested balls. The issue has just been protection um, on the on the outside of the offensive line, not the interior, which is kind of crazy because the interior has more guys that are unknown to casual 49er fans, Aaron Banks, Spencer Burford, who have been phenomenal this year. No one even talks about it. Banks especially. No sacks or quarterback hits allowed the entire season. That's incredible. No, that is For a second-year left guard? No, and it just shows the way the 49ers are able to develop young guys, right? And that's kind of been a calling card of this team is they've been able to get off of veterans and not feel it too hard because of their ability to develop the young guys. Mm -hmm. So, no, I agree. Banks has been fantastic. Christian McCaffrey, that's the big thing everyone yes. is talking about. Um, again, we said it. Looked really good, I thought, mm-hmm. in a, in limited action yep. um, against the Chiefs. Kyle Shanahan already said it. He's uh, unlocked the playbook for Christian McCaffrey <laughs> this week. By the way, that's a thick playbook. Yeah. Like, that's a novel, dude. Yeah, it is. So I would imagine Christian hasn't memorized the whole thing, but I think you're going to see him obviously incorporated much more into the offense this weekend. Kind of talk about where we obviously know what Christian McCaffrey can do if you put the ball in his hands, yeah. but just him being on the field, what does that do for guys like Kittle, Ayuk, and Debo? Well, every player in the Niners locker room has been giddy the past week having McCaffrey because they just know what he does for this team, not only as a playmaker, but just a, a decoy. He opens up space. It's like having like a Ja Morant kind of on, on, sure. like on, on your team. A really, really fast guy that you have to pay attention to at all times. Otherwise, you will lose track of him, and he'll break a 60-yard touchdown. That's just kind of who McCaffrey is. So for opposing defenses, they have to key in on him because if they don't, they know he will make people miss. He will make people miss in that first tackle especially, and he will break out and get loose, and that will open up passing lanes for Debo, Ayu, Kittle. Jeff Wilson Jr. will have more lanes as well. Um, huge check when he comes back. The fullback, they're running their they're outside zone plays. It just opens up the offense even more having a guy as versatile as him. Do you think Debo is going to be one that benefits the most? Because I feel like Debo this year especially is, I hate using the word decoy with Debo, but obviously he hasn't had the amount of action that he had last year. I think a lot of defenses are keying keying in on him, and I think that's more of the case. But now when you're talking about an offense, when you go to the line and you have Debo, you have Kittle, you have Ayuk, you have um, McCaffrey all in the same game. It just feels like, who do you cover? Like, where do you look at, like, okay, as a defense, we have to key in on this guy. Because I feel like McCaffrey is the most dangerous out of all of them. Yeah. You know, just because, again, the pass run threat, and, you know, Debo is as well. But, man, I just feel like Debo is going to, I think he's going to benefit the most from McCaffrey being in the lineup. I think so, too. And just as a wear and tear standpoint for Debo, because they're running him out out of the backfield. I think those McCaffrey touches, those touches out of the backfield go to McCaffrey on those outside zone. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. He'll still be have one or two for for sure to, to mix it up, but he's not going to get that run play the same way he was earlier in the season. And that's really important for him and his health. Going yeah, forward. but I also think it's important for McCaffrey to have other weapons where he doesn't have to carry the ball 20, yeah. 25 times a game, plus be you know looked looked at like, hey, dude, we need ten receptions out of you if we're going to win a football game. You know, he's had obviously a lot of injuries in the past, but mm-hmm. I think playing in an offense where will he be a feature guy? Of course, yes. but. The 49ers are not going to basically be like, if we don't rush him 25 times a game and we don't find him in the past game at least 10 times, we're screwed. Yep. And he's going to have his workload then diminish as well, which I think will help long-term for him. This is a team effort. They've right. talked about this for years. It's not. It might be one guy this week, one guy the next week, one guy the other. It might be a combination of all three of them, all four of them. 
it just whatever the whoever has the hot hand is kind of what Kyle rides, and mm-hmm. McCaffrey especially. If McCaffrey's hot, he's going to give it to him. If not, he's going to use him in different scenarios. He's not going to be every single week going to get the same amount of touches, the same amount of stuff. They don't have a number for him. They want to make sure that he's healthy and he can adapt to this offense correctly. Yeah, and the other thing I that you know popped into my head immediately when this happened was um, Elijah Mitchell. How what what is that backfield going to look like when Elijah Mitchell's healthy? Because Elijah Mitchell, when healthy, has produced for this team. Like there's yep. no denying that. Yep. But again, you also need to get McCaffrey in the game. Do you see do you see them splitting time that way, or do you see McCaffrey taking just a big part of the workload and Mitchell just kind of spelling him at times? I think they're going to end up moving McCaffrey out playing slot. I think he's going to do a combination of everything the same way Debo does. Mm-hmm. Playing slot receiver, playing outside, playing inside, doing outside inside-out zones. I think the Elijah Mitchell piece is that he is going to be the true running back in this offense. McCaffrey is going to be a part of it as well, obviously, in, in the timeshare. But McCaffrey's use is he's so versatile. He's able to just go play receiver. And he's one of the better receivers in the NFL as it is for being a running back, especially. He's incredible. So I think their ability to to mix and match and pick and pop with what they want and who they're playing against, obviously, is going to be really important for them. So let's look at injury report. Uh, where are we looking at with Javon Kenlaw? With Kinlaw, he's not going to play. He's he's out. He's not going to play. Do you think he's out indefinitely at this point? Or is this still, are they claiming week to week on this? It's a week to week thing. There's just been no sightings of him. Eric Armstead. He is not practicing this week. They hope to get him back maybe today, but there's been no sight of him so far. Well, and good news, though. It sounds like Jason Verrett's coming off the pup. Do you see Verrett uh, getting a lot of PT, or do you think he'll be used sparingly against uh, the Rams? I don't even know if he'll play this week against the Rams. He's still in limited fashion, and they really are concerned about about easing him back into it. Mm-hmm. Again, this is a guy who the last, three of the last four years, he's only played in one game each of the seasons due to injury. He's a very injury-plagued player, but when he's healthy, he's very, very good. So the Niners may opt to, to, to sit him this week. Because just to be, again, just to, I can explain the PUP rule. Right. They had to literally take him off the PUP. Otherwise, he'd be inactive the rest of the year. They had to activate him this week. So... What they can do now is just sit him, rest him, have him go through his usual drills. If he's able to play, great. If not, they're going to rest him until after the bye week. I would expect week 10 to be his first week back. Mooney Ward? Probably, yeah. Mooney's probably going to play. Again, he was burnt toast last week, unfortunately. Yeah, it was bad. But he has a strained groin, so that, mm-hmm. that plays a factor in it as well. So we'll see what happens. I do think Mooney does play this week, but we'll see in what kind of fashion. Yeah, so again, going in Sunday afternoon, it is the Rams in L.A. Yep. We we coined a phrase this morning on the morning show. I want to I get your take on this, of sure. what the Rams are for the 49ers. Ramatussin. <laughs> <laughs> Every time this team needs to get right, like there's always there's always a bottle of Ramatussin, it seems like. Ramatussin. I'm writing that down. I'm going to use that. Ramatussin. <laughs> it's just a thing. If the Niners win this week, I'm putting Ramatussin in the Ramatussin headline. is oh, real, that's, dude. That's, 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 no, it's the weirdest thing ever. I don't know what it is about this game. About they, Again, they do not like each other. No. There, there is that. There's a real hatred, a real rivalry here between these two teams. And the Niners, for some reason, always get up for this game. I don't know what it is. I've... They could be losing every. It could be zero and seven right now. They could get up for this game and win. Do you buy the idea that Kyle Shanahan just owns Sean McVay? Like, there's something there to yeah. that. Not not necessarily something tangible. It's not you tangible. know what I mean, but more mental than anything it's else. Hundred percent a mental edge. I mean, these coaches for sure have. You know, they have egos. They have. They, they think they're very. They're accomplished offensive coordinators, especially McVay and, and and Shanahan. And Shanahan's gotten the better of McVay most of the time. So I I think 
there's that mental thing for McVay and as well for Shanahan. I can coach my best against him if I can keep doing this. The only trick is that Kyle has to keep adapting to what McVay is calling because right. McVay has the upper hand of, I can shock this guy. Sure. While Kyle is very set in his ways and is like, no, I got this. But it seems like Kyle always introduces some sort of wrinkle, new wrinkle, yeah. whether it's big or usually it's very modest. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the wrinkle this weekend is going to be Christian McCaffrey. I don't think there's a way for Sean McVay to truly prep for that. There really isn't. I mean, they're, they're, they have no – there is a – there's no one really out there in the world that can cover Christian McCaffrey. No. It's it's pretty hard because, again, you got to think of where he's playing. He's playing running back, which is mostly covered by a linebacker. He's playing slot, which is covered by the nickel corner or a linebacker. You put a linebacker on Christian McCaffrey? That's no, not going to work. It's not. I, I think the I think the Niners get right with the Ramatussin this yeah. weekend. I am looking at a 28-17 to 17 win. That, that's my prediction for this game. I saw a tweet last night. I think it was from Jennifer Lee Chan. Um, that fifty fifty six percent of tickets have already been sold to Niners fans. Fifty nine percent. Fifty nine, and they're expecting that number to go up. Yeah. Welcome to uh, Levi South, everybody. Yep. Levi Again. South. Yep. <laughs> Welcome to Levi South. It's never going to change because Los Angeles doesn't know how to generate fans, unfortunately. Well, they do. The problem is the team that generates the fans plays in Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, more fans in L.A. go to watch the Raiders in Las Vegas than they do the Rams or the Chargers combined in L.A. I, and <laughs> that's just because of the move to St. Louis and back and all that stuff. Sure. The Raiders are more personified Los Angeles yes. anyway. Like 100,000 times personified Los Angeles anyway. It's just it's it's it, same with the Chargers. I feel bad for the Chargers too. No, the Chargers are the real like swept under the rug team oh there. Like I think the Clippers get more have more of a bigger fan base in LA than the Chargers do, and that says something because the Lakers are the you know prominent franchise in SoCal because of the San Diego Chargers. They're they're yes. not the Los Angeles. I will say that they should be the San Diego Chargers. I just I get always afraid to watch a Chargers game at SoFi because I feel like it's that stadium is so massive. And they weren't even, I don't even know if they were getting 75% in the, um, was it the Home Depot field or whatever when they were in Carson. And it's just like, obviously you're not going to move out of the television market. Like the the Chargers, excuse me, are probably there to stay. Yeah. But it's just from an optic standpoint, so bad. They need their own stadium. It's, it's probably it's probably what it is. It's you're sharing a stadium with with another team. Yeah, who, that, that team itself doesn't even have a great, have a great fan base. In Which life. is crazy because that team just won a Super Bowl. You know, like real talk. That team legit just won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and their biggest rival is pulling in significantly more fans at home than the actual team. Their own city has more fans for another team. That's but that's my point. It's just insane to me how that's a thing. Like. If you're winning championships yeah. and you can't pull people in, you can't get any sort of yeah. like fan base, whether it's new, old, whatever, yeah. to come out and support. Like, dude, it, it's just again, it's it's snake bitten from the. Do, do you remember that tweet from a couple of years ago where the, they, they showed a video of the Rams? I think it was when the, the NFC Championship game, and they and the, the fans were just like clapping and hugging and all that, so like yes. really mellow and stuff. That's a that's a fan base. That's it? LA, dude. That's LA. It's, that is that's LA. not a real fan base. And I'll tell you this: it's very specific to LA fans that attend sporting events yes. because LA, whether it's the Dodgers or the Lakers, they have hardcore fans. They like, do. Do not get it twisted. They do. But I've been to several Lakers and Clippers games at Staples. Like people that buy tickets to those games, they go there because it's an event, yes. not because they are super excited to go watch the Lakers or Clippers play. No. Same thing with Dodgers. I've been to several Dodgers games down there. It's an event. 
So you're going to have everyone come in to the game dressed in team gear. But I invite anybody who goes down to a sporting event in L.A., just listen to the conversations around you. Like, you'll have two men talking about the Real Housewives before they know what's going on on the court of the field. I'm not kidding you. It's a real thing. That bugs me. <laughs> I just just because of my own fandom of being from Sacramento and how much we love the Kings. For sure. We love, I love the Raiders and all that stuff and all that great stuff. Mm-hmm. You you gotta you gotta love your teams, and I feel like the Rams fans they don't they they love their team, but like not at a level they really should. No, they don't love that team. They like that team. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like it's cool. Oh, the Rams are good. Oh, football. Hey, let's go check it out. But hear me out. If the Rams are like four and thirteen, you're gonna see Chargers level attendance. Yeah. Outside of when the road team brings in a ton of fans. Like if there was no Matthew Stafford, no Sean McVay oh. there. Like if they were the St. Louis Rams. In, yeah, in dude. LA, like they were with Todd Gurley in the, yes. in the initial. There are no fans. There's that game. none. No, there's none. There's no point. There's so many other things to do in LA. All right. Well, everybody, get ready to watch the uh, 49ers play a home game in LA yep. this weekend <laughs> against the Rams. Emil, final prediction. Uh, Ramatussin. I've gone back and forth on this. You know what? I'm gonna flip it. We're gonna go. We're gonna go 27, 21. 49ers. I'm going to go All on right. the side of the 49ers. I, I was back and forth with it, but I, I do think the little Ramatussin is what they <laughs> need this week, and I think McCaffrey's going to play a huge role this week. I so. agree with you. So, again, we'll be back next week. Everyone enjoy the game this week. And, Emil, as always, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Jay, and have a great one, everyone. Yes, this has been the Return of the Empire podcast on Sacktown Sports.